Before we begin today, I have a special call to action for everybody listening. On July 10th, I will turn 34 years old. Now, 34 isn't special for most people, I know that, but for me it is. Ever since I was 10 years old and I decided that then Kansas City Jayhawk and future Boston Celtic Paul Pierce was my favorite player and Paul wore 34, that has been my lucky number. Because of that, this is my lucky year. So, I wanted to do something special. My freshman year of college, I was arrested with a couple friends for possession, paraphernalia, and a couple other related charges to using and distributing marijuana. Luckily for me, I am an affluent white guy, and that disruption to my life was very short-lived. In fact, it was eventually expunged my record. It's as if this never happened. And more than that, it never kept me from getting a job, uh, you know, a loan, any of this kind of stuff. The same can't be said for millions of black and brown Americans. The war on drugs is built on a foundation of lies. It is racist, and it has been used to disrupt the communities that our white American system has decided is undesirable. In the show notes, you'll find a link to a complete call for action. I would love for you to join me as a birthday present in raising $10,000 for the Drug Policy Alliance, an organization that seeks to end the racist war on drugs. Please go to that link and give me the birthday present of helping millions of Americans who've been unjustly targeted simply by being who they are. All right, let's get started with the episode. But I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome back to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. This is episode 20. We made it to episode 20. Thank you all for coming along on this ride. It's uh, been fun so far, and I've got some great people coming up, so really excited to keep on going with the podcast. Today's podcast is fun. It is my, uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say this, the first person who is still a teenager to appear on the podcast. Sophie Regal is just incredible. I mean, like, it's amazing what she's been able to accomplish She's not 20. Like, there are more episodes of this podcast than there are years of her life so far, and she's accomplished so much. There is a link to her work in the show notes. She is so outspoken on the issues of mental health and the particular anxiety disorders and OCD that she struggles with, and and I I just, I, I appreciate it. I honor it. It's it's inspirational stuff. It really is. And and her and her mom are doing some cool stuff together. So 
definitely check out her materials. I love what she writes. It's it's all very inspiring and it speaks a lot of truth and I appreciate that. The shout out today is a friend of mine, Brianna Naylor. She uh <laughs> like I'm it's cool I get to say this. She's a professional pastry chef. Right? Like how awesome is that? She's a professional pastry chef. And not only that, but I can attest to how good her stuff is. I asked her to let me pay her <laughs> to bake me and my wife some stuff. And uh, she did and sent it out. And uh, it's delicious. We ate. Uh, she, she made two different types of cookies for me. We ate about half of them. The rest are in our freezer. We're saving them. Uh, they're that good. Uh, they're, they're really good. They would be gone in a second if if I didn't have at least a little bit of self-control. So definitely check out her Instagram, which is linked in the show notes. Thank you to all who have supported the birthday fundraiser so far. A couple more weeks until my birthday. And thank you to all who are reaching out. You know, your opinions matter to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, got a couple of reviews not reviews sorry um ratings that's the word I'm looking for got a couple of ratings on apple Podcasts this week so thank you for that uh for those who have not done so if if that's a thing you do you know i appreciate it so like it review it rate it all the kind of things you can do to podcast but most importantly if that's a thing that you're interested in share it you know i've i've got a couple of people who've let me know that um, they shared it and, and one person who reached out and said that they found the podcast after it was shared with them. And that's awesome. That makes me happy because that's a person that will listen to this message or will be exposed to these topics and maybe be inspired to tell their story or anything like that that wouldn't necessarily be able to. Look, like I'm not going to say it's not a little bit selfish. Of course, I want people to listen to the podcast. I, I work hard on this thing. It's important to me. But the most important thing to me is getting the message out there. I've got a couple of awesome virtual speaking uh, engagements coming up. I do those. I mean, that's, you know, that's where I make <laughs> the money, obviously. Those are very insular, I, I guess is the word I want to use. They're really for smaller groups, whereas this podcast can get the message of ending the stigma and embracing and celebrating issues of mental health and, and substance misuse and recovery to a wider scale. So please keep uh, sharing it. Do everything you can for yourself as well. Uh, I love the people who reach out and say that they did a good egg. Uh, I've gotten a couple of those, and that makes me super happy. People who've said that the Choose Your Card really resonates with them, that makes me happy. Thank you for that. If you need a reminder on how to reach out, you can find me at my website, jshiffman.com. Twitter is CYS underscore J. LinkedIn is where I post all of the stuff. Um, just Jay Schiffman, J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N. Uh, same on, uh, on Facebook. And then on Instagram, it's The Next Schiffman. But, you know, check out the website. You can get links there to, to pretty much everything. Uh, thank you for listening. Enjoy the interviews. And I will catch you at the end for your good egg and choose your card. I recently went on antidepressants. And through going on those and kind of realizing all of the ways that I had actually been struggling with depression for a long time, 
I didn't go on antidepressants through like mental health. I went to, I was having like really, really intense, I guess PMS would be what it was called. I was like sitting on the bus and just like burst into tears for no reason. Like nothing had happened. Everything was like nothing had changed. I was just like sitting there fine one minute and stopping the next. I was like at work randomly just like, I had about three seconds of patience for anyone or anything. I like screamed at my boss a couple times. I snapped at other coworkers on a regular basis who were just like, oh, you're behind on your work. Let me help you with that. And then I would just yell at them for helping me. And it was just like, was fine for two weeks and then just insane. And it felt like I couldn't control myself or my emotions or regulate anything at all. And then I went on antidepressants and was almost immediately like, oh, this is how my brain is supposed to work. Okay. (laughs) Is this how other people's brains work? Because this is better. (laughs) And it was just so very much like I could think more clearly. I had more control of my emotions. I could focus better. I had a tendency to like fixate on people and situations that it helped correct. It was just like a whole slew of things that like I didn't even really realize were happening or were problems. The reason I asked, I I was like, that's not really what even what I was looking for because I just assumed, which I guess that's the whole thing of like destigmatizing mental health services and or like women, people that menstruate, whatever, in my case, being like, oh, this is tied to hormones when I'm PMSing. I'll just talk to my gynecologist about it. That's all it is. It's not a mental health problem. It's just a hormonal imbalance. I guess that would just be part of destigmatizing both women's health care and mental health. If you do want to follow my baking exploits, um, it's Brianna Bakes on Instagram, B-R-I-A-N-A dot Bakes. I know if you're listening to my podcast that you could use a break. So let me recommend something that makes me smile. They say laughter is the best medicine. And when I want to laugh, I go check out the podcast Cookies for Breakfast. It's hosted by one of my best friends in the world, Spark Paper. You can find it wherever your podcasts come from, whatever app you use. It's on all of them. So check out Cookies for Breakfast today, and let's listen together. One more time, that's Cookies for Breakfast, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Huge shout out to my podcast sponsor, Mountain Made CBD. Mountain Made is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high-dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC-free and third-party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. Their products, which now ship nationwide, include Build for CBD saturation, Boost for precision titration, and Recover for rest and rehab. With nine years' experience in hemp and fitness, Mountain Maid's founders are focused on creating a quality CBD product to help those with activated lifestyles. Check out www.mountainmade.life to find out more about how their product can help you crush your life. And you know I'm all about that. Remember, their products ship nationwide. So go check out the website today and follow them on social media at Mountain Made. And also listen to episode seven with Mountain Made founder, Mike Passion. All right, back to the episode. So my name is Sophie um, and I am 19. 
and I'm an author, speaker, and a mental health advocate. So uh, let's start with your story. I spent the last half an hour reading a lot of your work. It's very cool. I'm going to link it in the uh, you know the show notes when when this comes out. But you know, tell the five minute version. Tell the thirty minute version. Whatever whatever you want to do. I um, have been diagnosed with four different anxiety disorders, um, which include obsessive compulsive disorder, trichotillomania, which is a hair pulling disorder, panic disorder, and generalized anxiety disorder. And I was diagnosed with OCD and trichotillomania in seventh grade, um, and it became a huge part of my identity, and I started speaking out about what it means to live with a mental illness, and I started doing this because I was pretty severely bullied. Um, for having anxiety and for having some you know, odd obsessions and compulsions related to my OCD. Um, and so I gave a speech in front of my seventh grade class about what it's like living with OCD, what it's like living with anxiety. And the people who bullied me came up to me and apologized after. And I realized then that the biggest thing, the most important thing that I can be doing is educating people. Um, because it's not that people want to be disrespectful or insensitive, it's that they just don't know the right words to use. Um, and so it's Part of my job to teach them what to do um, and what to say, what not to say. And then moving on into 10th grade, I was diagnosed with panic disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and it took a huge toll to the point where I thought that I wouldn't be able to graduate high school. I was considering dropping out of high school. Um, and I ended up having about a month or so where I couldn't go to school because I was having so many panic attacks. I couldn't take tests because I actually lost my vision when I was taking tests because of my panic. Um, and then I started medication and continued with therapy and I rescued a dog and all of these things combined really helped me and I ended up graduating as the valedictorian of my high school. Congratulations. Thank you. So you have since written two books, am I right? Yep. One you wrote alone and one you wrote with your mom. Is that is correct. that correct? Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. I'm, I'm working on a book and it's, it's tough. And you, you at 19 have, have written two. So talk a little bit about that, that experience. Yeah, so my first book is called Don't Tell Me to Relax. And it was, it was um, published in January of 2019. Uh, it took me four or five years to write it, which is a long, long time. But I wrote it throughout high school. And really that day after seventh grade, um, in seventh grade where people began to apologize after I gave my speech is the day I went home and started writing it. And um, it, it details my experience from fifth grade up until 11th and a little bit of 12th grade um, with dealing with these four anxiety disorders coming out, having a diagnosis, getting treatment, and all the things involved with that. And then at the end of the book, I talk about my advice to teens and parents and educators about how we should be talking about mental health. And then in addition, I include some resources. And then the second book um, I wrote with my mom called Overcoming Overthinking, and it's 36 Ways to Tame Anxiety for Work, School, and Life. And together, um, we wrote these 36 tips. Um, and it's interesting because from a Jewish perspective, it's 36 because Chai represents life, and that's 18. And together, we are two lives that came together to really battle this thing um, that we have won. Um, and so we wanted to bring our two lives together to help as many lives as we can. That was beautifully put. Um, for, the, for those who, who may not know, our listeners, you know, Sophie and I are both Jewish and, and 18 is sort of the, the, the 
most solid number in, in Judaism. A lot of uh, Jews, when they choose their donations amount, will do so in, in uh, you know, denominations of, of 18 or, or so on. So that's very cool, kind of a cool little Easter egg in your, in, in your book. So I think you made a really good point. Your, your first book makes a very good point, And that is a lot of these uh, issues of mental health that are, um, whether, no matter where they are on the spectrum, many start to kick in in the teenage years. And yet, most teenagers are told what to do. And it's not a dialogue. It is a one way street, your therapist or whoever says do this. Uh, that's what happened to me is that no matter what I said, and, and you know, my listeners know my story well enough, I don't need to get into that. Talk a little bit about that as a teen and what you know, motivated you to write some of that of let me tell you what it's like for me, not just what you're telling me what to do. Yeah, I, th I think I was so sick of adults telling me that they knew what was going on. Um, and not that I was like calling them old, but I was saying that you have not lived in this generation. You do not know what it is like. Um, and so here it is actually like, I'm not going to let you go off what the media says. I'm not going to let you go off of you know, other things, I'm going to tell you what it's actually like from a teen who's living in this generation, and I'm, I'm sick of you guys telling me what to do because you don't know. So talk, talk a little bit about that then. For anyone listening who may, you know, have, most of my listeners are more of my age, I'm in my 30s, but for anyone who may be raising a child entering into teenage years, talk a little bit about what someone should do and shouldn't do. There are definitely ways to have conversations that are two ways, as you, as you said. Um, and we, as teens and kids, we don't like to be talked at. Um, we like to be talked with, be talked to, having a mutual conversation. And so, you know, the biggest thing that I like to say is that kids and teens do not want perspective. We don't want you to say, um, oh, it'll be better in a few days, or oh, at least you don't have X, Y, Z. We don't want the perspective. We don't want the bright side. We want someone to listen to the crap that we're dealing with. And adults just want to move on and fix the problem. Um, and it's really important for adults to sit in the problem with the kid I and mean, not give them perspective, not tell them it's all going to be good. You're going to be fine. We just want someone to be there with us in the problem. So... You know, uh, you, you wrote your second book with your mom. I, I, am I right then in assuming that they've handled this pretty well? Or, or was that a bit of a struggle early on that, that you've kind of come together on? She, uh, so she is also an executive coach. And so she teaches a lot of these skills. So she um, is very well versed in all the things that we talk about. And she did handle it very, very well. Um, and that's, Part of the reason why I wanted to write the book with her because I thought she could give perspective to parents if parents didn't want to listen to a teen, um, which is sometimes understandable, but it's also we have two very different perspectives. Hers coming from like, she also has anxiety disorder. She has three, I have four, um, but she didn't grow up in the same type of family that I did where talking about mental health was super um, important that we talked about it a lot and openly. Um, so just a different kind of perspective and childhood that she had where we can bring our perspectives together and um, share some lessons that we learned. So I think you, you touch on a really great point there. And that is that I, I had someone on earlier who was a sophomore in college or, or about to be a junior. Uh, COVID has kind of messed up everything for all y'all. <laughs> so who, who really knows? 
but he, he, I asked him if, you know, being a younger guy than me, I mean, 15 years younger, if he sees progress and we talked about that for a minute, it sounds like what you're saying is that living in a household where mental health is talked openly. I mean, that is progress. That is, that is a gigantic step forward. Are you seeing that? I mean, you know, you were bully, but you also had people who recognized their, their errors and, and sounds like tried to apologize. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a huge amount of progress that's happening and um, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're at the stage we need to be. We're definitely not, but any progress I'll take. Um, and I, I definitely think like more people are having conversations about mental health. More people are thinking about mental health in the same way that we think about physical health, talking about psychiatrists, talking about therapists, talking about medications in the same way. Um, so I definitely, throughout the last couple of years, I've definitely seen a lot more people be open to these ideas about how do we treat mental health. Well, I think you just put that that correctly, and that is we've we've made progress, but doesn't mean we're we're where we need to be. When when you're starting from below zero and you make it to zero, it looks like progress, and it is progress, but it, you're still a long a long way from where you should be. Totally. So you know, you are very open about a issue of mental health that I think has gotten sort of uh, a bad rap and and that is OCD. You know, we, we see, uh, look, as, as another person who, who struggles with this myself, I love watching, you know, I was a big Scrubs fan. Have you ever seen the show Scrubs? And there's a character on there who, who struggles with OCD, the show Monk. You know, these are, these are, interesting examples but they've skewed the understanding of OCD how hard was that again sort of not even starting from zero you not only had to educate but you have to then dispel some of the myths is, is that something you've had to work through definitely I mean people think of OCD like Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory or people think need need things neat and orderly and while that's true of some people with OCD media shows the compulsions they don't show the obsessions so they don't show the anxiety that's that is um, a huge part of the OCD which is why it's an anxiety disorder um, and so people don't realize that when you can't do your compulsion or your or the reason why you do do it is because of the feeling of anxiety and that's where there's this huge disconnect between what is shown on social media and what the truth is yeah, I, I, that's perfectly said. I, I think, you know, something that this other guest and I talked about is exactly that. We love, or the media, and, and especially movies and, and uh, TV, love to focus on the uh, compulsion part because it's visual. It can be played up to comic effect. The obsessive part that comes first or, or wraps the, around the, the compulsive part, you can't really show. And it also takes a lot of understanding. You know, it's a lot easier to show the guy washing his hands 50 times than it is to dive into why they're, they're doing this. And it's also an extreme end of the spectrum that is not in any way the end-all be-all of, of this issue of mental health. Absolutely. Totally agreed. So there's the part of that, though, that that is a fear of stigma because it is different, right? I mean, uh, you know, again, from this pre previous conversation, we kind of connected it to Tourette's where, you know, you can play it up to comic effect, but to actually talk about it, people feel a lot of stigma. It, it, how did you kind of fight through that in, 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 in you know, tap into the vulnerability that you need to talk about these sorts of things? 
And I, I, honestly, I think I'm still fighting it. Um, I think this is so ingrained in our society that it's hard for me to separate myself from everything else that's going on. Um, but I do think, you know, when I was publishing my first book and it was a month away from being published and I was like, oh shit, everyone's going to read my whole story and they're going to know everything that's going on. Do I really want that? I was feeling the stigma. Um, I was feeling the shame that goes along with having a mental illness. Um, and the only way to fight that is to really just put myself out there um, and, and understand that I'm doing this so that other people might feel comfortable doing this as well. Because if I don't do it and I'm writing books about it and I'm speaking about it, how is anyone else supposed to do it? You have to, you have to walk the walk after you talk the talk, right? Absolutely. Before we continue, I like to give my guests multiple opportunities to shout out where people can find them, buy their books. Please, you know, do all of that. Yeah, so you can find all my books, my TED Talk, all my articles and things like that at sophieregal.com. So that's S-O-P-H-I-E-R-I-E-G-E-L.com. And is there any social media anyone can follow you on? or Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram is all just my name, Sophie Regal. Yeah, so I found Sophie on, on LinkedIn and, and uh, you were very quick to respond, which I appreciated. I've had guests that it took a lot longer, so thank you. I have thank nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so talk a little bit. I mean, this won't be out for a month, but, you know, are you, are you going to school? Are you, what, what is next for Sophie? I finished my freshman year at Duke uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, and I'm, I'm in New York, so I'm still on lockdown for coronavirus, so I've been at home for three months, which is very odd, but I'm doing a huge amount of webinars about anxiety. My mom and I are doing a webinar series. Um, my mom and I have been writing a book uh, from the perspective of my dog and <laughs> that we're learning from our dog. And what is next is unknown. Um, I wish I could tell you, I sent in an application to volunteer at the local animal shelter. We will see. Um, I'm hoping that we will go back to school in the fall, but honestly, I don't know what's happening and I'm learning to live with that. It's, it's gotta be tough with someone with anxiety disorder, watching or, or multiple anxiety disorders, I should say, living at ground zero for this epidemic. Mm-hmm. Talk, I mean, how, what was that like? I'm, I'm in South Carolina. I, I was able to get outside, you know, and socially distant and, and but I never once felt the anxiety of being packed in in a way that you can feel in a place like New York, where it's, it is just all around. What, what was that like? It is definitely really scary. And I think it, it took me a couple of steps back in the progress that I've been making. Um, so, for example, with my trichotillomania, I, it had been pretty much completely under control. And then coming back in this environment, uh, the stress and the anxiety built up and I had started to pull my hair more. Um, and also, you know, my town specifically is, was the town with the most cases of coronavirus in the entire state. Um, and so like my neighbors had coronavirus and people on my block have died, uh, which is really scary. Um, and so I tell myself that I don't need to put this in perspective, that I can just let it be a shit situation um, and let myself understand that. And at the same time, having anxiety, it feels like I should have known this was happening all along. I've been catastrophizing about something like this for 19 years. And of course, now it happened. Um, So I was right all along. 
And so I'm trying to, to tell myself that this didn't happen because I had thoughts about it for years. Like this, this is, was completely out of my control. I had nothing to do with this. Um, and that thinking something's going to happen doesn't make it happen, even though it's happening right now. Yeah, I think that it, uh, so wonderfully said for someone who doesn't understand either OCD or anxiety beyond, again, maybe what they've seen, you know, or what someone has told them. How do you discern in that situation between, you know, okay, like, like you were just saying, look, you have been anxious about this situation for a long time, but that doesn't mean that those thoughts have caused this. Like that's such a, such an interesting uh, exercise to split those two things that most people will never have to go through. Mm -hmm. How, how, yeah, how, uh, how have you worked on that during this period? I've been talking very openly, um, both online and with my family and with my friends about what thoughts are going through my head. And I think when I keep it in my head, it becomes much more real. And when I say it out loud, I think to myself, well, that's irrational. Like I can kind of compartmentalize everything that's going on in my head um, when I say things out loud and that's been something that I've always struggled with I've always been like why do I need to ask for help why do I need to say these, these things out loud when I can just deal with it myself and I've realized that that is what has gotten me into huge amounts of messes before and so I'm not going to let myself do that again you you touched on something I think that's really important and that is that your your own ability I think a lot of times when people think about these issues they, they think about someone who is not in control, and that can be the case, but you also touched on a really great point, which is that we can be in control. I know personally, when I am not practicing mindfulness, my anxiety gets higher, my, my obsessions get higher, and my compulsions also then start to run rampant. So I practice mindfulness every day. Do you have tips like that? Do you have exercises that you have found that work for you that have helped you manage this? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is to always remind myself that just because I'm feeling good one day doesn't mean I can stop practicing self-care. Um, that this anxiety being diagnosed with a mental illness isn't something that goes away, right? This is something that can be managed, can be controlled, but it's not something that goes away. And if I don't take steps every single day, it will come back. Um, and so that's a mindset that I always need to keep in mind. Um, but for me, uh, a lot of what I do is I talk openly about it. I write lots of articles. Um, and then I also exercise almost every day, which has been really helpful for me. And it was funny because I was on a webinar last week and I was with a bunch of teens and they were asking, what do you do for self-care? And the other teens said things like, I write in my journal or um, I practice meditation. And then I was the one who said, I watch pimple popping videos and I watched earwax extraction videos and like I was the one who gave the non-normal answer um, but it actually really resonated with people because people are so used to hearing things like just breathe just meditate and I think it's important for teens and adults to understand that there are lots of different ways and whatever works for you works for you. I, I definitely uh, that's that's the most important thing is is that when you know I when I coach I have a long list of, of tips and tricks because what works for me isn't going to work for someone that I'm coaching and you know, what works for them may not work for me. And so 
I think that's really important. And you touched on one that that is almost universal. And that is just get it out of your head and, and write, mm-hmm. write it down, whether it's journaling or publishing articles, which you are prolific at your website, your, your, your article page is just scrolls of, of, of great things that you've put out. Uh, so once again, let's pause real quick and tell people where they can, they can find that. You can find all my articles at sophieregal.com, S-O-P-H-I-E-R-I-E-G-E-L.com. And if you don't want to look there, you can just Google my name and find all the articles. There aren't a lot of Sophie Regals out there. Um, <laughs> that's one of the best things about, about Jewish names is that, you know, we can, we can get pretty unique with them. So, totally. uh, so you, you touched on something that I always like to talk to my guests on, and that's, that's uh, self-care. You mentioned some of the more interesting ones, but uh, I imagine that at this point you are pretty... Um, you know, you're pretty much an expert at what works for you. So what else besides writing and some of these, you know, pimple popping <laughs> videos, have you found, uh, you know, personally for me, I know that if I'm struggling and I just need to disrupt, a, you know, an obsessive thought or whatever the case is, putting on the Beatles always helps. Uh, what helps for you in those cases? What's your, what's your go-to? I um, always like to have some show on Netflix that I will watch when I'm feeling stressed. And making sure that, you know, I always have some show or some book that I'm gonna, I can read because I, I always know that I feel stuck when I don't have something I'm in the middle of. Um, and it's, it's always hard for me to start a new book or to start a new TV show when I'm feeling anxious. I just want something that feels normal and natural to me. And so I always have something that I'm, I'm in the middle of that I know I can watch when I'm feeling anxious. So right now um, I'm on season nine of Shameless. My parents and I are watching Killing Eve. Um, and, and my guilty pleasure, and a lot of people know this, I'm very out about this, is that I love watching shows like The Bachelor. Um, <laughs> I think, A, it makes me feel a lot better about my life. Um, and B, it's just like completely mindless. There's no thinking involved. Um, so that is always something that I like to do when I'm feeling extra stressed. And, and the biggest thing is I, I play with my dog or I'll pet my dog or I'll walk my dog. Uh, she is just the love of my life. Um, and she has helped me in more ways than I can even express. So, um, yeah, we, my wife and I adopted a dog a year ago and she's, she is wonderful. Uh, it definitely, definitely recommend, uh, dog ownership to people who are struggling with, with, uh, stress. But I think you, you again, made a, made a fantastic point in, in that is that the mindful Ness is important, but the mindlessness is also just as important. We're living in a time, you know, I made the joke earlier that we had to make sure that we, we reference COVID because by the time this comes out, it could be a whole new thing. It, it, there is more to care about now, you know, th- than ever. I mean, than ever before. And so our minds are constantly on to, you know, just today while we're talking, while we're recording this. COVID is going on, but so is another round of protests against police brutality. You know, uh, I I read an article in the Times this morning that listed just what's happened this year. I have forgotten that we impeached the president in January. I mean, this year has been unreal. And so people need to make sure they're taking time to do that mindlessness just as much as they're doing the mindfulness. And I think that's not being embraced enough. I mean, I also think it's a really hard balance to strike with how do I take care of myself and also how do I care about all of these things that are going on at the same time? And if I'm not, if I'm 
taking time for myself, does that mean I am a bad ally for Black Lives Matter? Does that mean that I um, am not doing what needs to be done to be proactive in, in whatever fight is going on? Um, and it's, it's a really hard thing to compartmentalize, um, but it is, you know, I have to constantly remind myself that I can't be part of any solution if, if I don't take care of myself. So um, we've, we, towards the end, we always answer two questions. One of them you already did, which is, uh, you know, what is your self-care habits? And I, I really appreciate how thorough you were on that. But talk a little bit now. Number two, I always ask people, who is doing something that you are in awe of? Who is doing something where you follow them religiously? I mean, I've had people talk about their pastor, but who are you reading? Who, who's out there that you say, you got to go follow these people? Right now, um, I've been in the middle of reading some of Malcolm Gladwell's work, which is just fascinating. I think behavioral economics and the way people think about things and why things work the way they do is just super interesting. Um, so I'm reading his book, The Tipping Point, and then afterwards, I will be reading Outliers, and uh, there's another one. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, definitely his work you should check out. His um, podcast is, is oh, yeah. unreal. Fantastic, yeah. And then the two others. One is um, one of my friends turned me on to this podcast that is Dear Hank and John. And it's um, John Green and Hank Green, who are the Green brothers. Um, and they do this really funny podcast about giving advice they give advice about the weirdest issues um, and their advice is always something that is not helpful, but is really entertaining. Um, and so I always listen to that if you want something mindless. And then the last thing that I always need to give a shout out to is um, I was the president of the board of directors of Here Now, which is a teen driven Jewish mental health initiative. Um, and the founder of it, who is one of my friends um, and one of my mentors and someone who I always look up to is Pamela Schuler. And she is a comedian um, who talks about having Tourette's, having OCD, um, and what it's like living with these things. And I think it's awesome because she is able to laugh about all the things that makes her different and that make her, makes her unique um, without making a joke about mental health in any way. And she teaches about resilience and things like that. So definitely check out Here Now and Pamela Schuler. Um, She's on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. She's hilarious and also just really inspiring if you need, need someone to look up to. All right, last time, tell us all where to find you, everything that you want us to, to go find. You can find all my information at sophieregal.com, S-O-P-H-I-E-R-I-E-G-E-L.com. And also, if you want to reach out to me, you can message me on Instagram or email me at sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E-L, regal, R-I-E-G-E-L at gmail.com. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right, you can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. 
All right, we've arrived at the end of another episode. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed that. I, I, Like I said in the intro, I found Sophie to be so engaging and just really inspiring that she's done so much at such a young age. And she's clearly grabbing this thing by the horns. You know, she, you know, I can say from personal experience, I, um, it took me a while. I was in recovery for five years before I started speaking about it. And, uh, Sophie just grabbed it, you know, and Brianna I, for speaking out. And, and look, she taught me something. I do this for a living. I had no idea that a gynecologist could prescribe antidepressants. So when we were talking, uh, we talked about, you know, the importance of also seeing a therapist with that, which, which is not part of, of the interview that I chose to share. Uh, but I do want to say that here, um, that is important to you know, the, the, the Medication is not the only answer and should not be taken alone. Definitely keep talking to your therapist and, you know, work on, on mental health tips like uh, mindfulness and that kind of thing as well. I mean, it's all part of an equation, you know. Thank you to both of them. Really uh, just enjoyed this week's episode. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get to the good egg and the choose your cards. So let's do the cards first. There they are. We are... Working with the 54 Ways to Ease the Anxious Mind Pack today, as always, brought to you by Blurt, the Blurt Foundation over in England. This week, our card, I didn't drop them. That's, that's good news. I did not drop the cards this week. All right. This is, this is a good exercise. This is one that I do. It says, breathe in slowly and deeply to the count of nine. Exhale slowly and fully to the count of nine, and repeat until the can't-catch-my-breath feelings have subsided. That's a really good tip for someone struggling through a panic attack. That's a great tip. Um, if you focus on your physical breathing and physically slow your breathing, it's a way to sort of ease back on the gas pedal a little bit and get your breathing under control, and brings your mind under control, and your body under control, and it has a great impact. So, great tip. Do some breathing exercises. There's a lot of those, by the way. That's a great one, but there are a lot of those. I have an article coming up online in a couple weeks for a platform that asked me to write about this topic, uh, and it's other ways to be mindful besides meditation, and one of them I mentioned is a breathing activity that I like a lot. So, there are others, uh, but that's a really good one. Great, great tip. Thank you, Blurt. Love it. Uh, this week's good egg is sticking with the theme I've been going off of for about the last month now. The mental health space, the substance misuse space, look, we know that there are racial disparities. This isn't news, right? The war on drugs, like I said in my, <laughs> in my call to action, has been used for decades to try to make drug use dangerous and, and a racial issue that it isn't. Um, I mean, and let me make sure I'm being really clear on that. There is this idea that has been perpetrated that drug use is a black activity. That's just flat out racist and just flat out false. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that many of the voices we're hearing in the mental health and substance misuse and recovery space are white. 
because when a white person struggles with these issues, it's it's a setback. It's a thing to work on. It's a inspirational journey to overcome. But when a black person struggles with this, they end up in jail. So again, it's not surprising. That being said, there are a lot of incredible voices out there who are black in this space. So your good egg for today is there's a link in the show notes to a cool story. I believe it's 25. I don't have it in front of me. I believe it's 25 black voices in the mental health space that you should follow. Uh, I follow all of them. Uh, I am embarrassed to say that I was only following five of the 25 before this. That's not okay. I got to do better at that. But But the good news is I'm following them all now. So I encourage you all to follow them. Give them your attention. Give them your ear. Uh, some are Instagram, so give them your, your eyes. But check them out. That's your good egg. Uh, let's help break down the racist barrier that exists in this industry and encourage more voices and ideas and thoughts and successes uh, from all diverse backgrounds and diverse in every sense of that word. So. Thank you all for joining today. As always, reach out. Keep that coming. Do your good egg. Try some breathing exercises. Spread some love and choose your struggle.